We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapino's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair. Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to the Brooklyn Buzz. I'm your host, Nick Faye. With me, as always, my guy, Jack Manuel, and regular guest on the show, Nolan Jensen. Fellas, how are we doing? I am doing, as you guys can probably tell with the Justin Anderson <laughs> signing, I'm doing incredibly well, you know? Despite not having power here in my house for the last 9, 10 hours, and despite wasting an ungodly amount of uh, data on my iPhone, <laughs> I'm doing really well. It's, it's a beautiful day. It was, as soon as the news was announced, I woke up this morning, sort of saw the notifications and stuff, and Nick and I were, Nick was like, oh, we got to record. I'm like, oh, we got to get Nolan on if it's Justin Anderson, and then it all comes <laughs> together. It's going to be a good episode. It's funny is because we just referenced him on the last show. We gave Nolan like that little 30-second 30 spec- 30 yeah. monologue to talk Justin yeah, Anderson. I- so I guess <laughs> the Nets were listening to the show. We appreciate it, Brooklyn. Um, <laughs> you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, OTGBasketball.com, NetsRepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. And this episode is presented by BetOnline.ag. But 
the reason the Nets were able to sign Justin Anderson was Wilson Chandler opted out of going to Orlando. You know, he wants to focus and take care of his family, his three kids and his grandmother. Obviously, full support for Wilson Chandler and any player that decides not to go to the bubble because, let's be honest, it's not great circumstances. But what were your thoughts on that, Jack or Nolan, when you heard that? I wasn't surprised. You know, the writing had been on the wall for the last couple of weeks. Um, he obviously had his concerns with the bubble, and justifiably so. You know, it's if he wants to take care of his family, I have no problem whatsoever with him doing so and skipping out on the bubble. I hope that this isn't the last time we see Wilson Chandler in a yeah. Brooklyn Nets uniform. That's one yeah. of my concerns. I really enjoyed his veteran presence. You know, he might not have had the most efficient splits this past season, but what he did defensively and kind of that locker room presence, always willing to stand up for his teammates, I've I've enjoyed. So I hope it's not the last time we see him in a Nets uni. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll give it the quote from Malika Andrews on Twitter. As difficult as it will be not to be with my teammates, the health and well-being of my family has to come first. Thank you to the Nets organization for understanding and supporting me in this decision. And I'll be watching and rooting for our team in Orlando. Uh, you know, echoing the sentiments of Nolan, totally with Wilson Chandler and all the other players who've decided uh, that it is better for them to stay home rather than head to Orlando. Their decision is completely their own, and they have that right to do so. Um, I'm. I'm also hoping that he does end up on the team next year. I think that the last couple of months especially, he's endeared himself as a teammate. He's endeared himself as a, as a Nets Twitter presence. Um, you know, the, a, lot of the, a lot of the stuff that he's been saying on there, I think we're, we're all big fans of. There's some nice content from, from different writers, including you know, Matt Brooks uh, about Wilson Chandler as well. So I think Wilson Chandler is, is, has really solidified himself within the Brooklyn Nets organization and, and to the fans in general. So uh, he's hoping next season he's still, you know, that sort of 11th or 12th guy on the roster, providing some good locker room presence and then, you know, pinch hitting with some, some decent defense and hopefully hitting the three balls. Yeah, and like you guys mentioned, you hope Wilson Chandler's on the team. So obviously he did something positive this year. What are the Nets going to miss in Orlando with him not being there? Man, we are paper thin the front court right now. <laughs> I mean, without Clacks, without Wilson Chandler, I mean, we are one small minute injury from having to witness Rodion Karoops at the five. And, <laughs> you know, with a series matchup looming with probably the Bucks or the Raptors, two very physical teams, that's not exactly thing and like i understand this is the era of small ball but in my opinion it's also the era of freakishly talented bigs that you know yeah. surprise surprise can be physical with you down low and you know we've been undersized all year but especially right now we really need to take a flyer on a big yeah i think that's you know obviously we, we have justin anderson to to fill that void somewhat um, before I sort of give my thoughts on on the front court sort of issues in general, Chandler, and this is by Nets Daily, uh, will lose between 200 grand to 350 grand based off how far the Nets do go in the playoffs. Uh, I'm sure that you know he's had a long career and, and money is not necessarily the, the reason why he made that decision. But in in the sense, yeah, we, we are losing physicality, we are losing a veteran locker room presence, we're losing that intelligence, that basketball IQ, and you know we're losing our starting power forward you know yep. he overtook mm -hmm. Toyin Prince uh, in the latter points of the season and he he performed you know he the, obviously you, you look beyond the counting stats with certain guys and a lot of the guys that aren't actually heading to uh, Orlando are those sort of guys those glue guys that you sort of go man that team's going to miss him you know Trevor Ariza is a sort of similar sort of presence for Portland Avery Bradley in terms of the defense and, and, and IQ that he provides for the Lakers 
you know, it's it it makes the the rotation that much thinner, and yeah. you know, it forces other players to step up. And I'm sure we're going to get into you know how Torian Prince, how Rose Courts, uh, this is going to be a positive and a negative for them. But you know, for Wilson Chandler, you know, he was also hitting the three ball pretty well. Um, I really liked his strength. You know, if we were to come up against you know the the Bucks and, and, and we would fall to the eight seed, he likely would have spent a fair chunk of time on Giannis. Uh, if we're going up against the, the Raptors, you know, he's likely to he would likely would have spent a, a fair chunk of time on Pascal Siakam. Again, that is if we were to make the playoffs. And then if the Boston Celtics were to jump up, then there's a guy like Jason Tatum who's playing like an absolute uh, baller right now uh, that he would have probably matched up on as well. So uh, I think that through his absence, hopefully one of Prince or both of Prince and Kuritz can really relish the opportunity. But the the Nets certainly are going to miss him. Obviously, it's not like losing Carol Savert or Spencer Dimity, but losing any guy in your rotation and a guy that was your starting a starting forward for you at a position that's been so weak for, for this team since probably the inception of this podcast and beyond. Um, it's it's certainly going to hurt this the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, Jack. He's a starting four, and he has a unique skill set that the other fours don't have, and that's just like the toughness, the girth, and that basketball IQ. And like you mentioned, all the names from Siakam to Tatum, even we saw the defense he played on LeBron in the last game that we saw the Nets play this year. It wasn't mm-hmm. like he shut him down, but he at least gave you something competent where he wasn't kind of get muscled around. And the Nets are going to really need to find somebody or somebody's going to have to step up in that area because like they don't necessarily have the body types. Like no one mentioned, the front court is a major concern. Like I, I would like for the Nets to sign somebody to the front court. Did you guys have anybody in mind? And obviously they'd have to let somebody go or find another replacement. But what are you thinking in that area? I'm looking at Isaiah Hartenstein. I know mm. it's like a map yeah. book special. Um, I'm also <laughs> thinking of Jordan Bell. Potentially, he's 25 year old. Um, I think his game's still salvageable. Um, you can make the argument. Yeah, yeah, you can make the argument that like Golden State made him look a little better than he was. Mm -hmm. He obviously struggled tremendously with Minnesota, but you know, I mean, we really have, in my opinion, not much to lose by throwing a flyer at uh, uh, Jordan Bell, seeing how he does in the bubble, these eight games plus the playoff series, and then um, obviously looking at the positives or negatives potentially in his game, and then weighing a decision then. Uh, but right now, for me personally, we have to add in another front court player just to match the physicality you guys mentioned with some of these teams. Yeah, I, I would agree with Nola. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a decent Jordan Bell fan as well. I know that his name was mentioned on the last pod that we had um, with Nolan and Matt as well. And I, I think that his skill set, you know, obviously the opportunity he was given in Golden State wasn't the best. You know, Minnesota as well, he hasn't been able to relish that. You know, I think that situation does matter. And obviously... You know, there aren't going to be probably the greatest of opportunities unless the Nets are to suffer an injury in Orlando. But I, I think that he has a skill set and he has youth on his side as well that I think he's, he can prove himself that he's going to be in this league for, for some time. And I think that his three balls okay. I do like his defense. And I like the fact that he's a bit of a, a sort of small ball guy and could give a bit of versatility. Also has a, a relationship with Kevin Durant being on the same team in Golden State. So uh, there is that going forward as well. So I think there are there are flies worth being had on, on a guy like that or Hartenstein. You know, the minutes that I saw when I was watching a few Rockets games uh, earlier in the season, I, I've i never really disliked Hartenstein. I just think that he's... He, he's the, the guys. Yeah, it, it, yeah, he is certainly raw, but the I think that he does, you know, he's sort of like a, a light Aviga Zubac. You know, he just does the right things when he's given minutes out there. He doesn't overcomplicate things. He doesn't go beyond his own skill set. So I think that probably there'll be some names that we'll look into. Uh, but for now, Justin Anderson is on this team, so he's going to be given an opportunity. Uh, Nolan's going to be able to pin that tweet for a couple of months longer. And uh, it's going to be a fun, <laughs> it's gonna be a fun, fun time. 
Yeah, but I agree, guys. I feel like they need to address the front court, and Jordan Bell wouldn't be a terrible thing. Hartenstein wouldn't be a terrible thing because look at it this way. If they go into a game and all of a sudden Jared Allen has one of those weird games where he gets called for three moving picks in, like, the first quarter and, like, DeAndre Jordan has to essentially play the rest of the game, like, they're mm-hmm. screwed. And given that we kind of talked about it on the NBA outlet a little bit, Jack, is, like, I feel like teams are going to end up wanting to use their depth and using just the players and playing them less minutes, especially when they're kind of getting things going because we have no idea who's going to be in great shape and how their bodies are going to react to sitting out of basketball for three to four months. There is no shortage of action going on our exclusive partner, betonline.ag. Sports are slowly making their way back and BetOnline is leading the way with the best odds and lines for all UFC, NASCAR, boxing, and soccer matches. And if you need even more, they have simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC simulations all day, every day, live on their website. Looking for something else other than sports? BetOnline has hundreds of casino games, poker tournaments, and prop bets to check out. Visit BetOnline.ag and use promo code BLUEWIRE for a free welcome bonus. That's one word, BLUEWIRE. BetOnline, your online wagering experts. But talking, obviously, we got no one here for a reason. To talk about, <laughs> let's go. To talk about Let's Justin get into Anderson. it. So obviously the Nets filled in that spot from Wilson Chandler with Justin Anderson, who spent time with the team this year. Nolan, tell us how you felt about this. Oh, what a beautiful day, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, I'm really excited for Justin Anderson. This is a second chance. It's a new beginning. I mean, this was a guy that only we only got to see 17 minutes of when he signed a 10 day back in January. Um, he, he only got six shot ups. He went 0 for three. I had a theory when I was looking at Justin Anderson. I was looking at every potential angle. And to mention uh, an old name, an old friend of ours, Kenny Atkinson. Mm. (laughs) So here's my theory. Let's see if you guys agree. I don't know the degree of this take. I was just thinking, I don't know if this is lunacy, but I'll get into it anyways. Kenny Atkinson, to me, had some really dynamite defensive schemes. I mean, the Nets Mm. had an eighth-ranked defense. I mean, on paper, we didn't have any, you know, fantastic individual defenders i'd be completely shocked if any brooklyn nets make an all nba defensive team this year but the flip side to that coin was kenny agason if he didn't believe in your offensive potential because he knew how to get more with less on the defensive end of the ball but if he didn't believe in your offensive potential you weren't going to see the four that's why david nawaba you know first four four five weeks of the season we didn't see him Shump got excommunicated once Wilson Chandler returned. And that's why a guy like Justin Anderson only played 17 minutes. So why I'm so excited for this, this, this second chance, this new beginning under Jacques Vaughn, is especially with a depleted roster, we kind of get to see why someone like myself is so high on Justin Anderson as a plug-and-play two-way wing that never take plays off. He's going to play with infectious passing. He's going to get up in your grill. He's going to kind of... His physicality is near synonymous with like what a David Nwaba is. I think like fans can expect that on the defensive end of the floor. And as a guy that put up, you know, you can say it's a G League, but he was an all-NBA G League third teamer this year, put up 26 and 2.6 assists, and shot 35.4% from three on 7.6 attempts per game. So if he is competent offensively, I really do like what he brings to the defensive end of the floor. He's kind of a dog. Allah, you know, someone like a David Nwaba. And he's going to be a UFA this coming fall. So I'm hoping that he can make a solid impression here and then be, you know, once it's time to really boogie here, a plug-and-play, two-way, versatile wing moving forward. It's worth a flyer, for sure. Yeah. For me. 
Yeah, you absolutely. sold me. <laughs> <laughs> and again, he's only 26 years old still. So it feels like he's, you know, 29, 30, but he's one of the younger guys. And like we mentioned in the last pod, you know, so we sort of touched on Ian Begley sort of saying that a lot of teams in uh, that are heading to Orlando, we're looking at the the athleticism and, and the plug and play type. Uh, he's, you know, Justin Anderson is the perfect sort of prototype for what you want out of a, a role wing in today's NBA. At the opportunities that he's been given, you know, he has played, you know, a solid, he's been around the wings a little bit, whether in Philly, be it obviously in Brooklyn and, and other teams, you know, he hasn't been able to sort of find that sort of perfect fit yet. And he hasn't been able to really sort of take relish and relish the opportunity that he has been given in, in small spurts. So, you know, the, this eight game sample size and beyond um, with the, the weakness uh, that the Nets do have in that front court. And, you know, if Torian Prince or Rodin's course isn't performing, Maybe Jacques Vaughn is like, all right, get out there, Justin. Uh, show me what you can do. Hit a couple of threes. And if he if he does hit those three balls, he'll certainly be getting minutes because, you know, it's not like Wilson Chandler was, was knocking down the three ball, you know, at a really dic- ridiculously high rate. So um, I'm all for this. I'm hoping we do see a little bit of time from him because, you know, he obviously has the, the embedded relationship, the college relationship with, with a guy like Joe Harris as well. So, and uh, if it means, you know, 10,000 words uh, of content on, on Justin Anderson from Nolan Jensen, then um, no, let's, keep, let's keep it going. Let's keep it yeah. going. <laughs> I mean, like you guys said, you know, the defense is there, the toughness, the physicality. It's like the offense is a question mark. If he can provide offense, he'll have no problem getting an NBA job because he does those other things too, like those hustle and gritty stuff that we were so used to seeing with like last year's Nets team. So maybe he can provide some of that. And I, it reminds me of the Tyler Johnson situation in a similar way. Like if he plays well, he might have an opportunity to be on next year's team and be just one of these role players on the bench that you want to have to complement a Kyrie Irving and a Kevin Durant because it, he's shown flashes of being able to be that type of role player. Really, it's just got to get that three-point shot down, and I feel like we'd feel a lot more comfortable with him playing. But what type of role do you guys expect to see from him? Like, do you expect him to get minutes, or do you think it's going to be more so like, hey, someone's sprained their ankle, someone's sitting out a game, or someone's in foul trouble, let's throw him out there? This is a damn good question. Um, under Kenny Atkinson, um, I don't think he would see too many minutes. But we already seen that Jacques Vaughn is willing to make alterations that Kenny Atkinson, you know, never did. Um, it's it's a whole new ball game. I think potentially, I mean, especially with depleted roster as is, he's going to have to see some minutes. I don't. I wouldn't expect it to be anywhere crazy like eighteen and twenty one a game, but somewhere in that ten to fifteen mark. You know, we, it's, it's always nice, for, especially for a championship contender, to have, as we mentioned, like a plug-and-play physical wing that's going to get at you defensively. Those 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 type of players are, you know, only augmented teams dynamic. And Justin Anderson has, you know, a, a real legitimate chance to find a home here in Brooklyn. I mean, we weren't the only team that had interest in him. It was it came out a few days ago that multiple contenders had interest in a Justin Anderson type, and it, it makes all the sense in the world. So I would really hope, and you know what, I'll, I'll go as far as I expect to see more than 17 minutes worth of Justin Anderson sample size heading into the bubble. Yeah, I think we, when we did the, the Tyler Johnson reaction pod, Nick, I sort of thought about what's the the utmost ceiling that we could see from Justin, Justin Anderson, what's the utmost basement. Like The basement level is that we don't see him play at all, and I think that there is a somewhat of a possibility of that happening. I mean, if you sign a guy, what's the point at all? And I think that the the Nets don't really have, you know, the purpose of, I think, of the, the bubble and, and the playoffs is to develop guys and, and see which guys can be, you know, pieces on a championship contender for 2020, 2021. And Justin Anderson, 
you know, it's unlikely that he is that, but if he's given an opportunity, he can at least prove himself one way or another. You know, so I think that the injuries certainly give him the opportunity and the absence of Wilson Chandler, the injury to Nicholas Claxton, you know, if those weren't to happen, we don't have Justin Anderson on this team. So, you know, I think that he'll be used in spurts. I think that if you're looking at other guys that are in that sort of front court, you know, it's not like Rodion's Kuritz has been hitting the three ball tremendously well. He's pumped, faking, and traveling like no, like no one else's business this season. <laughs> Torian Prince has turned his, his best skill into you know an absolute weakness of his own. Um, obviously, you know both of those guys have more potential to hit the three ball than I think Justin Anderson has proven in the NBA. But you know if those guys aren't performing, I want to see like sort of Nolan alluded to. You know Justin Anderson given the shot. You know at the end of the day, these eight games and and, and beyond should be used as a, as a warm up piece for going okay. Can Toyin Prince truly be a, a backup wing? Can Ronald Kuritz be on the Brooklyn Nets going forward? Can Do any of these guys have skill sets that can uh, be valuable in a championship window, in a championship contention uh, for next season and beyond? And I think that that's what the purpose for Orlando should be. Obviously, Jacques Vaughn is, is going to be auditioning himself uh, as as a head coach uh, in a lot of ways as well. So how much he's willing to do that, I, I think, like sort of Noel alluded to, probably a little bit more than Kenny Atkinson. Uh, but at the same time, well, we could see a conservative nature to him as well if we are getting sort of you know quality rotation minutes from Rodions, from Torian, uh, both of them or one or the other. Yeah, I agree with Jack in the sense that I think it's going to depend more so on Rodions and Torian Prince. Like if they play well, it's going to be harder for Justin Anderson to get minutes or, you know, let's say Garrett Temple or whoever else is playing minutes at like small forward and shooting guard. Like I think if the team needs some type of infusion of energy or a change, Justin Anderson will be a guy that gets a shot. Same thing with Tyler Johnson. Like I don't think both guys are going in there with some like big role, but there'll be opportunities for them because like I mentioned before, there's a good chance someone will probably like sprain an ankle or miss a game or have some type of fatigue and they'll need someone to fill in. Or there's going to be a game where like someone gets three or four fouls and they just want to look at somebody else. So also the, the play of TLC could have an impact too. So I think like True. And Anderson could have an opportunity, but it's more like the other guys play really well. It's unlikely for him or Tyler Johnson to get play because they already have a better idea of the other players on the team and they'd probably prefer to see them play well because they have more invested in them. Uh, one thing I'll, I'll throw at you guys, I chucked out a poll just before we jumped on. Um, who would you rather have on the, the Orlando Brooklyn Nets team, Theo Pinson or Justin Anderson? Because, you know, uh, upon upon all the, this news that we've seen, we, we could have kept Theo and you know, his, his, his presence on, on the bench and his presence as a teammate could have been invaluable in a lot of ways. So, you know, Justin Justin Anderson's going to have to be thinking of some dance moves if he's not playing <laughs> some minutes. But in, in that sense, the imagination, uh, is Theo a little bit unlucky? Theo's unlucky in the sense that he's not like a six foot six, 230-pound wing that could potentially be thrown at like a Siakam or a Tatum or a Giannis, etc. That's, that's kind of the way I view Justin Anderson. Whereas, like you guys mentioned, if someone gets hurt, he can be thrown into a larger role. If not, he's still just an extra body to throw at guys like that. Whereas with Theo Pinson, you know, as a combo guard that can neither shoot nor play make, his time might kind of run up with the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, I, I understand that he's, by all accounts, a great guy to be around, culture guy, loved in the locker room. But you, at some point, you have to eventually bring some tangibles to the NBA floor. And Theo Pinson, unfortunately, never really brought those. 
I agree, Nolan. I feel like, especially going Orlando, like I've already mentioned, like the possibility of injury guys being out of shape, you want to have everybody on your roster able to contribute in some way. And given that even with Wilson Chandler, they were still kind of um, weak at the three and the four, having a guy like Anderson who can fill either role and provide you some defense, something that you might need at certain points in the playoffs, I think Anderson just is a better fit for what the Nets need in Orlando. And like we know what Theo Pinson is, and no, no offense to him, it's kind of unsure if he's going to be an NBA player moving forward. Yeah, I, I probably, you know, Theo, obviously, we, we loved him as a Brooklyn Net. You know, he had his moments. Um, I, I think that a lot of these sort of new signings and old signings are allowed me to sort of research and jump into the video. I, I want to look at some of the, the Theo Pinson video. There actually was one uh, in the Nicholas Claxton piece that I sort of did, um, the, the little bit of a breakdown that I did. So uh, it is unlucky for Theo, but, you know, I think that he's going to, uh, whatever whatever league he ends up being in, he's going to prove himself. And, you know, I hope we do see him in an NBA uniform going forward. Um, and if not, he finds success and happiness wherever he does lie because such a great teammate provided us with so much joy as Brooklyn Nets fans. So uh, massive, massive props to, to Theo Pinson as a Brooklyn Net. 100%. Well now, guys, obviously we mentioned Justin Anderson and other guys possibly stepping up for Wilson Chandler. Who in your eyes is, like, the best guy to do that? Like, who are you willing to put all your, you know, chips to the table and say, hey, I'm ready to roll with Prince, Rodions, or whoever it might be? Okay. So, I know it seems like eons ago, but for 15 games back in November, Torian Prince shot 41.9% from three. These next eight to 15 games, however long – this uh, goes on. The Brooklyn Nets do make the playoffs. I expect them to. He's got to, more than anyone else, he's got to find that form, I think, especially heading into an offseason of, you know, complete uncertainty. And his, you know, 12.5 million cap hit next year, that could obviously be used as a um, uh, a filler. Piece, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. As a, as a trade piece to make the logistics of a uh, trade work. So he's going to, more than anyone else, I really want to see Torian Prince get back to that November. You know, I guess it's a lot to ask for, but <laughs> get closer to what he was in November more than what he was in the last couple of weeks of February, early March, where he couldn't hit literally anything. So these next eight to 15 games, I really want to see something from Torian Prince. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll make the case for for Rodons in a little bit, but just to sort of piggybacking off of what Nolan said, you know, we saw you know moments as moments of 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 decent sort of consistent play from Toy and Prince. You know, he improved as a rebounder, uh, and I think that that's an area that you know of focus that you know he really gave himself. And I think that that when we did the the season review uh, with Matt, there wasn't a lot of positives that we could sort of take from it. But you know, when you look at certain months and game by game splits, you know, I still think he is a good three point shooter despite the the numbers not reflecting that because I believe in the mechanics. I be, I believe in you know the the history uh, of his career overall, um, and I think that he can play a little bit of defense I think he has a prototype uh, that just fits well so you know the opportunity is going to be there and it's you know if if he can't step up now um, then you know what other situation uh, is going to be made for him so you know he's got the money now you know he, he's, he's he's settled there so now it's really time to step up and perform but when it comes to Redon's courts as well you know we uh, we did a rewatch of the Miami Heat game and that was his best game of the season and that's the mm -hmm. 
that's the that's the peak of Rodion's courts that we know and love. You know, pesky defender, hitting three balls, being simple, showing energy. So there's there's differing skill sets that these guys show, and you know, Rodion's can hit the three ball as well. I, I'm confident enough in his three point shot. I'm more confident in Toyin Prince's shot personally, um, but Toyin Prince is also a guy who is a bit of a gunner and can be a bit ball hoggy. Whereas I think Rodion's is is is, is knows that he is a role player and knows that like he doesn't want to over overcomplicate things whereas prince when he's dry i think that maybe actually it's probably negligible who's a better driver i think rodion's uh, is a better sort of cutter uh yeah. but i think prince is probably a better driver even though he gets caught in all in no man's land when the defense defense collapses home as well so i mean we're, we're clutching at shorts to, to compare these two but both of them are <laughs> going to be important because one of them is going to be starting and both of them are likely to get some form of extended minutes. So, you know, whoever's hitting that three ball and playing better defense, uh, they're the one that deserves the minutes. And I guess uh, as of what, whatever day it is now, it's 10.54 a.m. Monday, June 29 here in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, who do you think deserves the starting position? Who do you think deserves uh, that starting for Nolan, Nick, before we sort of, I guess... Uh, and that decision could, I mean make itself we could see you know the Jacques Vaughan or Woj drop a bomb saying that Prince will be given the spot but if if you were Jacques Vaughan in, in this position right now who are you giving those starting minutes to I'll Torian go with Prince. okay yeah I was gonna Torian. go with the same thing I think Torian yeah, Prince here today. yeah because like I mean Rodion's wasn't in the rotation you know what I mean it's kind of a lot to ask this guy from going out of the rotation into the starting lineup like Prince like we talked about he showed cases showcase like some ability to be a, a pretty good player especially a pretty good role player early in the season but then things completely fell apart I feel like if one guy was going to benefit from like a, an essential season reset it would be Torian Prince because his shooting was such in a funk like Jack said it's not like he has a bad stroke it was just like all confidence and it felt like his game was just in a weird place. So maybe this reset could kind of allow him to take his game to another level. And I think you probably roll with Torian Prince in the starting lineup because a lineup with him and Joe Harris and, you know, Harris Levert and Spencer Dinwiddie and DeAndre Jordan has a higher cap than if you probably put Rodion's at the four. If Prince is playing on both ends of the floor, we saw him play at a high level before, but he's never done it consistently or even for like multiple games in a row. So it's a lot to ask, but I feel like you always want to go with the higher cap and I don't think the floor is much different between those two. I think more than anything else, you really just want to find or see Torian Prince gain a rhythm. I mean, if we're going to talk about upside on the 2020-2021 Brooklyn Nets, I believe more in Torian Prince yep. as a three besides KD than I believe in whatever role Rodion's career has, if he even survives offseason. You can obviously say the same thing for Torian Prince as well. But TP, I mean despite you know what Nets Twitter might think like he's a really talented cat he, he actually is he doesn't make great decisions with the basketball at all times especially with collapsing defenders um, once he puts the ball on the floor it can get ugly but if that three-point shot is falling and he is a serviceable defender which you know for a good portion of the season he actually honestly was even though the metrics might say otherwise I mean we have to take into account that he's a six foot seven 216 pound wing essentially playing the floor playing in the eastern conference has plenty of physical bigs i mean those 64 games his body has gone through absolute hell playing 29 minutes yep. a game so you know i believe more and i'm blasphemy unattended <laughs> but i believe more in Torian prince's upside as a three besides katie as that three and d prototype than i believe in whatever rodeon's kurus can be moving forward 
Yeah, I think when it comes to Toyin Prince as well, one thing that is a, a slight against him is that a lot of the best basketball that he did play was alongside Kyrie Irving, and mm-hmm. he's not going to have that that comfort of heading into Orlando. He's going to have to make it work with Karis Spencer and, and everyone else. So you know he's going to have to you know find the chemistry there because a, a lot of the times you know Kyrie Irving was playing, Toyin Prince was hitting the three ball a, a, a much better. Like you sort of mentioned those November splits. That's when Kyrie Irving was healthy and playing some great basketball as well. That's when the offense was humming. Uh, but then the defense really sort of started to, the Nets became a, a really defensively oriented team. And you know, Toyin Prince wasn't the biggest part of that, that's for sure. And and we saw the Nets sort of change tack in the way that they played basketball on that end of the floor. So it's going to be intriguing to see. I think both of them are going to have roles to play. I do agree. I think Toyin Prince is the one uh, that we should see step up. And if he's if he can't step up now, like I mentioned before, then, I mean, he's given every opportunity now. The Nets have given him so many opportunities uh, in the 19-20 season. And, you know, he's not going to get many more uh, you know, because, you know, you're given such a large sample size, such a large leeway uh, with Kenny Atkinson as well. So uh, he's going to step up. Um, he's got the money. He's He's got all the skills in the world. Um, it's going to be a, a big eight games and beyond for, for Toy and Prince. I think that out of all the guys there, uh, I think that this Orlando bubble uh, is, is probably as important to him than any other Brooklyn net on the roster. Yeah, that's really fair, too. And I mean, it's important for the Nets because like we've talked about as a possible trade, like right now he's a negative asset. If he plays well, you could maybe, you know, make it a wash or even somewhat positive. So it's going to be really intriguing. I think another storyline I'm kind of intrigued by is like, will this be a notch for Jock Vaughn if he gets Torian Prince to play well? You know, during Orlando, you know, get his three-point shooting back up, get him back in rhythm, playing competent defense. Could this be something that helps like Jock Vaughn's case or even Rodion's or any player who wasn't playing great under Kenny? It's a fair point. I, I personally think that, you know, we already saw that DeAndre starting was the big move. Wilson Chandler starting, even though Wilson Chandler starting was, I think, one of the final moves that um, Kenny Atkinson did yep. make after yeah. probably far, 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 far too long. But, you know, there's going to be a, a lot of interesting side stories um, in terms of how things do happen in Orlando. Obviously, you know, a, a lot of guys are hoping the Nets don't make the playoffs so we can get that first round or whatever. But I think that the, the key point is that we see you know, growth individually from, from the players and how how can we see this team cohesively fitting alongside our two superstars because that's what matters. That's where we win the championship. It's not about, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, really starting to, to shine and, and to solidify himself as that real all-star guy. You know, I think it's more about, you know, Carol Savert being able to, to sort of step up and go, okay, I can be that third guy. You you don't have to trade me. Or Torian Prince, I can be a three or a backup wing for you guys. Rodin's Kurtz, I can come off the bench and provide some energy spark minutes like I did in my rookie season. Justin Anderson, Tyler Johnson, so many names and, and guys in this roster that if you're not a Nets fan, if you don't listen to the buzz or, or, or other sort of podcasts that, you know, you're not really going to know about these little side bits and, and storylines that I think we're all going to be uh, very intrigued to see how they pan out. It is. And I think like you've kind of hinted at, Jack, it's like a lot about next year. And I think even like there's a case for any player if they play well, it could benefit the team in some way, either being on the team next year or being traded in a trade package that you just added more value for yourself. But any other points you guys want to touch on before we get out of here? All good on my end. I got to talk about Justin Anderson. I'm happy. I mean, I'm sure that there might be, uh, if there's a big Justin Anderson game in Orlando, we'll definitely be getting oh, Melton back on. Don't worry about that. If there's a big Joe Harris game, we'll probably have to get him back on too because <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun. Hopefully, you know, things do level out in Orlando, in Florida. You know, the, the virus is contained at least somewhat. There is another month or so to, to get that done. And hopefully everyone is health, healthy and safe and uh, the Nets 
uh, are all good to go. And then we can start recapping some games uh, with a bit more of a clearer mind. 100%. Appreciate you hopping on, Nolan. Jack, always a pleasure. Big thanks, everybody, for listening. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, otgbasketball.com, netsapolk.com, and Blue Wire Pods. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.